All right, guys. Well, as all of you know, we're in the middle of a series on faith, um, and this is a series where we're uh, really looking at how. How do we live a life of faith? And, and during this series, we're really trying to approach it in such a way that it's a hands-on and it, it's practical. It's not some theological, highfalutin, way up here sort of thing. It's more of a, a down-to-earth, a, a thing where we wrap our, our hands around it, our minds around it, and it's every day. And so we've been trying to do that. And last week, we started by looking at how does the Bible play a role in our lives of faith? How does it, you know, what, what role does it play? And I mentioned that, unfortunately, we had to break it down into two sermons because otherwise it would have been too long of a sermon. So we did that. And last week was part one. This week is part two. Um, but last week, we took the time to really look at how we approach the Bible in a wrong way. And we looked at six different wrong approaches how so often we, we come to the Bible in, in a very wrong approach, and then what we get from it can be erroneous or messed up, and, and we just don't get what we should be from, from the Bible. So this last week, in your homework, you were supposed to spend some time with the Lord, with the Holy Spirit, and ask Him, okay, Holy Spirit, which of these approaches am I doing currently in my life? You know, expose that to me, reveal that to me. And then take the time to just ask Him and say, Holy Spirit, what is it that I need to do? How, how do I approach the Scriptures and to listen to them on that? So I hope you, you did that. Uh, uh, really want to encourage us to do our homework because it's important we, that we actually apply this stuff. Well, this week we're going to take some time to look at some right ways to approach the Bible. And we are by no means going to exhaust looking at all the different ways we, we do approach the Bible but we're going to at least look at some real, hands-on, practical ways we can, we can approach the Bible and, and hopefully it will help us in how we use the Bible in, in our lives of faith. And before I do that, I, I wanted to kind of just deal with the obvious. Uh, there may be some of us in this room who, we don't have a Bible. We just don't own a Bible. And uh, so if that's the case, then the obvious first step is you need to own a Bible. You just can't you know, come on Sundays, open the Bible, and put it back on the shelf, and that's it. No, you need to have your very own. And as I mentioned last week, there is a myriad of options that you can choose from to, you know, as a Bible, you can have a Precious Moments Bible, if that's something you really like. You can have an Army Bible, you can have all this stuff. But I, I do think that it's important that when we choose a Bible that we're going to work from, that we choose one that's going to best suit our needs. And so, I'd encourage you, when it comes to Bibles, for those of you who might be new to this, there are all sorts of versions, all sorts of different translations, English translations to the Bible. And uh, um, for some people, the King James Version, which is the early version translation to them, that is the only main one. Um, and so if that's what you, you like and you want to use that, that's a good version for you. You can use that. I personally... Don't think that it is the only main one that we have to have, and I personally don't click with the language of the Old English. Uh, and so I, the version I actually use in my Bible is the a, is a NIV. It's a New International Version, but it's a 1984 edition. I don't like the recent editions. I like the 1984 one. Uh, Pastor Josh uses the ESV, which is the English Standard Version, and that is an excellent translation. And so I'd encourage you, if you don't own a Bible and you want to get a translation, Really go after that ESV. It's a great uh, translation of the Scriptures. And so just uh, if you have any questions, feel free to talk to either Josh or I and any of the other pastors, and they'll try to walk you through that. But uh, 
there is, when you start to look for a Bible, you will have no end of options out there. So uh, feel free to talk to us about that. <clears throat> All right, but now let's say that you own your very own Bible and you want to really understand it. You want to you know, really soak it up. And so uh, we want to talk about that today. And to do that, I want to tell you a story that's found in the Bible. Uh, and it's a story that we usually talk about around Easter when we discuss the resurrection of Jesus. And it's the story of Mary Magdalene. Um, as you guys remember, uh, Jesus was crucified and he was buried. And Mary Magdalene, it says in Scripture, she saw his burials. She saw the stone be rolled over the tomb. And, and it says that three days later, Mary and a couple other ladies, they went to the tomb to anoint his body with spices to just you know honor it. That was their custom. And when they showed up to the tomb that early morning, what did they find? Yeah, nothing. The, the stone was rolled wide open. The tomb was empty. There was no body. And, and it freaked them out. And so the ladies ran back. Mary ran all the way to Peter and John. And she said, Peter and John, they've taken our Lord's body. And, and so Peter and John, they race back to the tomb. And they run inside the tomb. And they look in. And sure enough, the body's missing. Well, in Scripture, it shows that Peter and John just kind of turned around and they walked home. But Mary was left there all alone. And she was weeping. And if you read that story, it says that there were two angels there, and she actually talks to these angels. And I don't know if she recognized that they were angels or not, but she talked to them. And then a little while later, uh, this guy approaches her, and he, he, he says to her, he says, who are you looking for? And she says, I'm looking, she says, someone has taken my Lord's body, and I don't know where it is. And she said, if you've taken him, tell me where he is, and I'll go get it. And, and what did that person say right then and there? Does anybody remember? He simply said her name. He said, Mary. And she suddenly realized it was Jesus. And she ran to him and she wrapped her arms around him, fell to his feet, wrapped her arms around him and hung on to him. And everything changed when she realized it was Jesus. Now the reason I share that story is simple. Because I want to make mention of this point. If you notice in this story, Jesus speaks to Mary. The risen Lord actually has a conversation with her. She hears Him. Her mind actually registers that someone is talking to her, but she doesn't recognize who it is. She has no clue who is speaking to her. She didn't know who it was until... She, and until she realized who it was, really nothing changed in her life. She was just still there. She's talking to Jesus, but she doesn't know it's Him. And so nothing was changing in her life. But when suddenly she realized who it was that was speaking to her, everything changed. And I mention that because it's my fear that so often we approach Scripture, we, we open the Bible and we read it with our human eyes and we mentally register the words of the text, but we don't recognize who is speaking to us through them. And guys, if we fail to recognize who is speaking to us through them, nothing changes in our life. And we will miss out on the most important thing of the Bible, but if we do recognize who is speaking through the Scriptures and we realize that it is Jesus, that it's the living Word, then let me tell you guys, everything changes. 
And so we have to realize this. When we come to the written word, this is approach number one, when we come to the written word of of God, which is the Bible, we must anticipate meeting with the living word of God. And that's Jesus. And you see, that's why last week we took the time to look at these faulty approaches. If we just sit down to read the Bible to get our homework done and, and to, you know, to make sure you're on track with your Through the Bible in a Year program, you're failing to really anticipate meeting with the living Word. And you'll miss out on meeting with Jesus, and you do not want to miss out on meeting with Jesus. You just don't. Because that changes everything. Now, I say that because it's my belief that whenever we approach our time of entering into the Scriptures, we must, and I can't emphasize must enough there, we must enter them with the anticipation that we are going to meet with the living Word. We are going to meet with Jesus. Amen? Think about that. So the next time you sit down to read, make sure that that's always on your thoughts. I I don't know if this helps you, but put a little sticky note on your Bible saying, remember, Jesus is with me. Or just say it in the first person, Jesus, you're here with me. Put it on your, tattoo it on your arm or do whatever you need to do to remember that he is with you. And when you do, it's going to greatly enhance the times in in the word of God because you're going to be spending time with its author. And guys, technically, it's the author who will change your life, not the Bible. So you need to meet with the author. And guys, I'm really serious about this point because this is where faith comes to the scene when reading the Bible. This this is where we practically apply faith in in our reading the Bible. Because remember, what is the definition, definition of faith that we've been working through in this series? Let's look at it. Let's actually read it out loud for us, okay? Faith is belief in the unseen reality of God and his activity all around us, his kingdom. So when we, what faith does is going, okay, Jesus, I know you're here, and I know you're at work. And so when we come to reading the Bible, we focus on the reality that Jesus is with us. And, and I know we can't see him, but we know that he is with us in the unseen realm right here, right now. And he's wanting to speak to our hearts and our minds in such a way that will transform us. Let me, let me just do this exercise. Mark, could you come up here real quick? And I want you to sit in this chair. <clears throat> this thing's so comfortable, you may, you may want to stay in it the whole service. <laughs> he almost flipped over. <laughs> Sorry, let me quickly turn here. Um, I want you to kind of picture that Mark is having his quiet time with the Lord. And uh, he's reading scriptures. We're going to be reading Psalm 23. And um, I, I want Mark and, and all of us to kind of see this as a visual to picture the reality that Jesus is here. Now, I know this is a hard sell, but I want you to picture that I'm Jesus, okay? And... Let's picture that I'm here in the unseen realm, and I'm, I'm with Mark. And guys, you need, you, when you approach the Bible, you need to keep this in your mind, that he's right here with. And so, Mark, I want you to, to read out loud the passage. Read it slowly, and I'm going to stop you at a few points, okay? So just start out loud. The Lord is my shepherd. Stop right there, Mark. Who's your shepherd? My father. The Lord. And what am I to you? 
What does a shepherd do, Mark? Protects me from everything, from the wolves, from the outdoors, keeps me in line, keeps me with my others, so I'm never alone. And who's your shepherd? You are. And Mark, you need to know that. It's not the world who's your shepherd. It's not your job who's your shepherd. It's not your friends who are your shepherd. It's not the media. It's not social media. It's the Lord who is your shepherd. I'm your shepherd. And, and guess what? If I'm your shepherd, guess what? Read that next line. I shall not be in want. Mark, you need to understand this. As long as I'm your shepherd, you never have to be in want. What does a shepherd do with his sheep? He makes me lie down in green pastures and he leads me beside quiet waters. He feeds them. He cares for them. He, he protects them. He never lets them go without. And Mark, I need you to understand something. If I'm your shepherd, you're never going to lack any good thing. And you need to trust that. Now, if Mark is reading the passage, knowing that Jesus is right there with him and he's interacting with them, guys, it's going to make the Scriptures come alive. He's not just going to read through the passage and be like, okay, I did my reading today. He's going to interact with the author. And if he doesn't interact with the author, he's missing out on what the Bible's all about. Amen? Give it up for Mark. Thank you, Mark. Nice one. Guys, here's the deal. Remember, faith, we realize that he's in the unseen realm and that he is at work. And we know that. While we're reading, we know that he's at work and, and, and we believe that and we fully anticipate that he's going to work in our hearts and in our minds as, as we read his written word. And, and guys, that's how we should approach the Bible every time we pick it up. We have to focus on that reality. Another way we should approach the Scriptures, um, especially the stories that we read about in scriptures is really to put ourselves in the stories. It's so easy to read the stories third person and go, okay, yeah, that happened. Big deal. But God has given us a mind, a mind that is able to imagine we, we can pull away from this present and we can move back in time and we can place ourselves in these stories and we can use our five senses. So when we approach the stories in the Bible by putting ourselves in those stories and, and experience them you know, through the five senses, we're then able to draw out of those stories we never would if we just look at it third person. For instance, let's, let's imagine that you are reading the story of the feeding of 5,000. Okay? Now put yourself in that story. Put yourself as one of the disciples and you're there and, it, and it's a hot day and, and there's just crowds of people just flocking all around and you're kind of trying to protect Jesus and push people away and hold away and says, let's keep some order people, you know, and, and, and all these people are gathering around and he's ministering and he's teaching and he's healing and, and he's doing great things. And you see the sun go down using your sight. You see the sun go down the mountains and shadows are starting to you know, spread across the land. You say, Jesus, we've got to wrap this up. We've got to send these, these people home because there's, you know, they're hungry and, and they're going to be in trouble if they don't go and buy something. And, and Jesus turns to you and you can picture him. You can see him, his eyes looking into your eyes, and he says this. You feed them. And, and, and when you're in that story, you can, you can feel what the disciples felt. You can go, gulp. How, how am I going to feed them, Jesus? You can't feed this large group of people. It would take a year's wages to do that. And they're only going to get one bite. Is that really such a smart thing to do with our finances? And then you see Jesus go, what do we have? 
And he takes the two fish and the five loaves and he begins to multiply it. And you see this, this miracle just transpire in front of your eyes and you sit down with the people and you taste the fish and you, you taste the bread that your Lord created out of nothing. And you soak up the story. And in doing so, what you have done is you have experienced Jesus in this story. I, I had a woman tell me, she says, Luke, I was... I was just soaking up the story one time and I put myself into it. And it says in one of the passages there that Jesus dismissed the crowd and went up on the side of the mountain to spend time alone. And she says, I, I thought, I was, you know, I was just going to try this. She said, Jesus, I want to go with you on the side of the mountain. So she walked up the side of the mountain. She sat with him and, and, and she said, Jesus, um, or he, she, she asked him, she says, Jesus, here's what I want you to do with me. Would you mind just sitting with me on the side of this mountain? And he said, sir. So they just sat there. She just sat there and she says, I remember just picturing me holding his hand and we're looking at the Sea of Galilee and she's using her five senses and she's soaking this moment up with Jesus. And she says, after a while, I, I felt like I needed to ask Jesus, okay, what do you want me to do for you? I just asked you to do something for me. But, and so she says, Jesus, what do you want me to do for you? And Jesus simply looked at her and said, I just want you to sit with me on the side of the mountain. So we sat for another half an hour. And she says it was one of the most precious times with Jesus. She experienced Him. And guys, as you can see, these stories in the Bible, they're about Jesus. But placing yourself into these stories by faith, knowing that Jesus is with you and He's speaking to you, you can experience these stories in a powerful way because you will experience Jesus. And He's the one who makes the difference. So approach the Word in, in this way and God's going to make these stories come alive for you. They're not just going to be stories that you know. They're going to be stories that you can, you can experience and get to know Jesus better. Another way to correctly approach the Bible, and it's an absolute must, is to read the Bible with your mind, intellectually. We have to approach the Bible using our mind with the intention of truly understanding what the Scriptures teach. That seems pretty obvious. And, and I just want to say this right from the onset, that when we come to the Scriptures using our mind and using our intellect, please don't think that we suddenly set aside approach number one. It's not like we go, okay, Jesus, you can leave. I'm going to use my mind now, and I'm going to study this out you know, intellectually. No, you still keep Jesus right there with you. He's always going to be with you. We still come to encounter Jesus, the living word. We still know that he's in the unseen realm right there working with us and teaching us. However, in this approach, we're trusting that he's going to open our minds so that we can truly understand the scriptures. In Luke 24, Jesus is with his disciples and it says, then he opened their minds so that they could understand the scriptures. Now, Studying the Bible in order to fully understand the Bible, guys, there's no way around it. It takes effort. It takes work, hard work. It takes time to study the Bible in such a way that you can step back and you can see the panoramic view of how God is working with mankind and how he is working things to his desired end. That takes a lot of work to study that out. And to do this well, we do need to use the, the Greek 
you know, dictionaries. We need to use the Hebrew dictionaries. We might even want to learn the language so we grasp it better. We use the, you know, the, the commentaries, the Bible encyclopedias, and, and all the resources that we have available to understand these passages in their proper context. And guys, it takes time to do this. But, listen to me, but if we take the time and we put in the work, we will find that the Holy Spirit, by His grace, will start to reveal things to us that we have never, ever seen. And, and he'll, he'll start to connect dots for us. And we'll suddenly be reading in the Old Testament and we'll go, oh, that reminds me of what it says in First Peter and that kind of connects there. And you're like, oh yeah, that connects to over here. And suddenly you're starting to see this panoramic view and dots are connecting and pieces are getting put together. And, and your set, curtain is getting pulled back on things and you're able to step back and see what our great God is like and what our great God is doing. And this mosaic suddenly makes sense. It's kind of like doing a puzzle. How many guys in here like doing jigsaw puzzles? Yeah, we had one in first or two in first service. When I look at a jigsaw puzzle, this is what I see. And you know, it's funny, my wife and my son, they like doing jigsaw puzzles in, on vacation. That's like the biggest waste of a vacation in my opinion. It's like, <laughs> seriously? But they'll sit down and open up a box, and, and, and this is what you see. You see all these pieces just jumbled together, and they don't make sense. And a lot of times, when we approach the Word of God, and when we sit back, and we're like, oh, my word, that's what we see. We just see that. And we're like, this doesn't make sense. I, I can't see how this all fits together. But as we begin to dig into it and begin to study and we begin to you know, apply ourselves to this, and the Spirit of God starts to make things come to sense, it starts to a little bit more and more look like this, the next picture. And we can go, oh, okay, that, that connects there. And I see what's, what's kind of transpiring over here. And you're starting to see a picture start to emerge. Now, I don't think we'll ever get to this point on this earth, but if we keep studying and, 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 and allowing the Spirit of God to teach us and putting in the effort and the work that's needed to study the Word of God, we're eventually going to come to this. And we can step back and we can see the final picture of a puzzle. And we can go, this is all about God. And what he's doing. And it's awesome. But it takes work. And guys, if we approach the Scripture using our mind, knowing that he will meet with us, this kind of understanding will come. Now, it won't happen overnight. It won't happen in a week. But it will progressively happen if you continue to study and remember, we do not do this just to gain knowledge. We don't do this just to fill our brains full of more facts and knowledge. No, we do this to gain understanding. Albert Einstein said this. He goes, any fool can know. The point is to understand. And he goes, guys, we, we study the Bible so that we can understand. We have to understand it. Last year, a couple years ago, Diane Starkey did a phase three class where she, she taught how to properly study the Bible, how to really dig in to the depths and mine the scriptures using commentaries and Bible dictionaries and all that. I'm sure we're going to be doing that in the near future, and I'd encourage you to plug yourself into that class because it helps you learn how to pour yourself into that kind of study. And guys, it's a must. We need to do this. And I want to briefly add this. Nobody will do this for you. Unless you put 
the work into studying the Bible, using your mind, knowing that Jesus is with you, nobody else will do it for you. Those puzzle pieces will remain in the box. I think a lot of us, you know, we, we like things packaged to us. And we like, well, I don't want to do all the work, I just want it packaged to us. And so we like, you know, our daily bread. And I'm not knocking daily bread, that's great if you want to use the daily bread. But if you think that that is Bible study, you're wrong. That's just a prepackaged little thing that you go, okay, that's a nice little point to consider. But that's not Bible study. So don't expect someone to package it for you and like, bing, I graduate. No, you have to pour yourself into it and allow Jesus to meet with you and instruct you. And that puzzle is, is going to start to slowly form and get clearer and clearer, and you're going to see a picture of God and His purposes. But your work is needed in the, in the process. There's effort involved. All right, the last way to approach the Bible is to read it with your heart. Now, I know that sounds kind of goofy, but really what I'm saying is we need to approach the Bible using our heart with the intention of really surrendering to the movement of the Holy Spirit in our lives. Okay, and I know that sounds kind of fancy, but simply put, this just means simply opening your whole self, your mind, your body, your spirit, your thoughts, your behavior, your will, to the open pages before us, the text before us. And we're looking for more than just understanding the text. We're, we're focusing our attention beyond the text to the God whose reality makes these scriptures come alive. We're looking, more, we're looking for more than just a to-do list. We're looking for a personal interaction with God himself. We're expecting God to unveil himself to us so that we can know him better. We're expecting him to enlighten us in such a way that our hope springs alive within us. And we experience life. You know, Paul prays to, the to God for the Ephesian church. He says, I keep asking that the, Lord, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may what? Know Him better. Not know more about Him. Know Him better. Interactive relationship. I pray also that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope which he has called you. So let's practically look at how we can do this. And by the way, I, I love doing this. I, lo I love coming at Scripture with this approach. I think all of these approaches are very important to do, but I love doing it this way. And here's what you can do. You can choose a passage of Scripture. Now, when you choose a passage of Scripture, don't, you want to choose one that's a short passage or a story uh, long enough to let your thoughts kind of, you know, spread out through it, but short enough to where you can, you can actually cover the whole passage in your time that you, that you have available. So you want to find your passage, and the next thing, you want to find a quiet place. Now I realize that's really hard in our day and age because there's so much noise around us, but find a quiet place where you can be alone. It's so important that you're alone in this. You want to be alone. Bring your Bible, bring a pen, bring a notebook, and, and, and go to the spot, make sure you turn your cell phone off. Trust me, I've tried to keep my cell phone on before, and you're like in the middle of studying, and ding! Let's see what it is, and, and it'll just mess everything up. So turn your cell phone off, close your daily planner, get rid of things that are going to distract you, and, and just place yourself in a posture of listening and just receiving from God. And, and I encourage you just to, you know, take some time to just breathe. 
I, I think in this life, we, we have so much noise and, and clamoring going on around us that, that when you just actually take some time just to breathe and to still yourself, you're going to realize, man, my life is noisy. And you're just going to take your time and allow yourself to still yourself. Don't rush this. Don't rush this. It's easy to go, well, there's 20 seconds. I should be ready to go. No, just, just quiet yourself. Quiet that inner part of yourself. You know, when, when you weight lift, it's so important that you stretch before you weight lift. Well, guess what? Quieting yourself in, in, in this process is as important as stretching is to weightlifting. You have to quiet yourself. And, and remember that God is with you. He's with you in this process. And simply start by asking the Holy Spirit to minister to you. Remember, we're coming to the Scripture with an open heart and, and, a, and a spirit open and really to allow the Spirit to minister and teach and heal our souls. And the simplest way to start in just reading with, 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 our, with our heart is to invite the Spirit of Christ to be our guide. He's going to lead us in this. So I, I'll just simply just say, you know, Holy Spirit, I know that you're here and I'm asking you right now to guide me, to teach me, to instruct me. And, and I, I know you're with me. My heart is open. And so I just, I just want to open myself to you. Speak to me. And then the next thing you do is you read the passage. And you don't, you know, speed read through it. You, you read it and you go through from start to finish all the way through the end. Read all the way through without pausing. And, and I encourage you, those of you who have the little Bibles with the little commentaries at the bottom, don't stop and read your commentaries. Just read the story all the way through. And remember, you read it with Jesus. He's meeting with you. Picture yourself in that chair. You're not just doing an exercise. And after having read through it once, read through it again, except this time a lot slower. Take your time with it and allow the, the words, allow the Spirit of God to, to highlight words to you. And, and you might want to highlight them or underline them. And these words are going to come off the pages to you and you go like, whoa, that applies to me. That's where I'm at in my life right now. And that, that speaks to me. And you can we'll go through the passage highlighting these different words. And, and you know, really lean into the Holy Spirit during this time. Don't just let it be your agenda like, ooh, I like that, I want to do this, I'm going to do that. No, lean into the Holy Spirit. Let Him guide you on this. Allow Him to point out what you need to see. And really process through the entire passage again doing that. After doing that, I want you to spend some time reflecting on the things that the Holy Spirit pulled out for you. Those words or those phrases that he, he, he pulled off the pages for you. And I want you to meditate on it. I want you to chew on it. I want you to run those, those words and those phrases over, over, and over in your mind. Let, let your mind marinate in it for a while. It's kind of like meditate on, uh, meditating on the Word is a little bit like chewing on something. Like sometimes I'll be coming home from work and my family or whatever, someone from the family of kids will say, hey, Dad, can you stop at Culver's and get me a, a butter burger meal deal? And so I'll say, sure. So I'll pull in, I'll get it. And, you know, you start to drive off and you're smelling all the fries. And so I'm like, well, I can't eat all the fries because he's going to know I ate all the fries. So what you do is you grab like four fries because he won't notice that. And so I'll grab four fries. And as I'm driving, I'm just like, Nibbling and just soaking up the taste and nibble a little more and take up the taste. And, and I'm like, I'm, I'm just soaking up the taste of this fry because in four fries I can nibble on them and I make it all the way home and I don't eat the whole bag. 
And that's a little bit, I know it's a stupid analogy, but it's a little bit like meditating. you're, You're chewing on this. And you're letting the taste swirl around in your heart and your mind. You're, you're allowing that word or that phrase to just minister to you. And you're repeating them over and over, allowing them to sink into your hearts and souls. Now, at this point, you're going to find something naturally happening within you. And you're going to find that you're going to want to speak to God. You're going to find that you're going to want to commune with Him and and you're going to be feeling these things starting to come up. And these words are going to start to really minister to you. And you're going to want to, you're going to, want to look into his eyes and face. And you're going to want to share with him the emotions that are starting to leak through. And there may be regret. There may be hope suddenly. There may be joy. There may be peace. Whatever emotion. But it will start to just seep up. And it's going to evoke from you a prayer. It's going to evoke from you words that you want to speak from the deep, deepest recesses of your heart. And you want to speak to Him. So I encourage you, speak to Him. Don't rush this part. Speak with Him. Praise Him. Now remember, you're going to back up to what we talked about in, in you know, hearing from God. It's going to be easy for you to just do all the talking at this point and Just blah, 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 blah. Talk to him knowing that he's going to want to speak back. Get in a conversation with him, listening to him while you're speaking to him. And picture, remember, picture Jesus in the chair, you know, in the, beside you in the chair. And engage with him, pray with him, spend that time with him, and don't rush this. And then, lastly, once you've, you know, shared your heart with him and you've worked through that, simply ask Jesus how this special time needs to be reflected in your life. What, what is the outflow of this time with God to look like in my everyday life? How can I obey you in what you showed me, and, and, and how can it work out in my everyday life? And once again, don't get all worked up about this, like, oh, i got to write out a to-do list. No, just let the Holy Spirit guide you. Let Him lead you, and, and you just quietly follow. And, and I will say, a simple act of obedience in these instances can so transform your life, you'll have no idea. I remember spending some time doing this in just the passage. Many of you guys know this passage where the disciples, they're all arguing about who's the best and who's number one and all this sort of stuff. And, and Jesus, you know, takes a little boy and he sets him before him. He goes, guys, the greatest in the kingdom of God is the least. To be great, you need to become the slave or the servant and I remember just, you know, spending some time in, in, in that passage and just letting it soak up. And those words servant and, and slave and least were just coming, you know, you know, speaking to me. And the Spirit of God was ministering to me. And, and I felt like just the act of obedience that God wanted me to do was, Luke, greatness is service. Greatness is being a slave. And it's like you're saying, Luke, you know, if you want to be great in my kingdom, then serve. And I realized that, you know, in my, my current classroom of life right now, I needed to hear that. I needed to become a servant. I needed to learn servanthood. And, and it excites me now because I realize that's greatness in the kingdom of God. And I'm to be seeking first his kingdom and his righteousness. So you know what? I want to learn to become a servant. And that simple act of obedience began to transform my life. Now I'm nowhere where I need to be, 
but it's transforming my life. Because the Spirit of God used that passage to just minister to me. By faith, in these, by doing this, you're going to experience the living Word. And you're going to allow Him to transform you more into His likeness. And why is that going to be, ca- be the case? Because you spent time with Him. And guys, whether we like it or not, whoever we spend time with, we become like that person. And so the more we spend time with Jesus, what's going to be the natural out- out result? We're going to become like Jesus. So, here are four different approaches to the Bible. And like I said, we didn't cover all of them, but I encourage you, approach the Bible in these ways. Take the time to do it. Don't just let it be homework where I've got to get through my reading. No, do these things. Take time to do it. And and remember, nobody is going to do it for you. Nobody can do it for you. You must do it. But I promise you, it will be life-changing, life-giving, life-breathing, because we're going to be spending the time with the one who is life. He's the author of the Scriptures himself, the living Word. So make sure you spend the time to do it. All right, here's your homework for this week. I want you just to try, initiate, spending some time reading through a passage with your heart, what we just last talked about. For one hour, and I realize, one hour? What in the world? Seriously? I'm used to my 10-minute little slot. One hour. I know, we can sit down and we can watch a movie for two hours and we don't think twice about it. I want you to spend one hour with your maker, with your creator, with the author, Spend one hour with them, and I want you to sit down with your Bible alone. Remember, turn your cell phone off. And by the way, I'm going to send you an email with all the kind of the list of things to just, you know, the format to follow along. And so if you don't, your email's not on the list, make sure you get it to me. And I want you to read through John 11, 1 through 44. And you're like, 44 verses? What? I know it seems like a lot, but it's an incredible story. It's the story of Jesus raising Lazarus from the dead. And it's a life-breathing story. And so I want you to do this with Jesus, knowing that he's with you in the unseen realm. He's right beside you in the chair. And he's working. Working in you and on you. And so focus on that as you read through that. Okay? Do that homework this week. I'll send you an email with kind of the format to, to list through it in case you forget. But I want you to do your homework, guys. Guys, listen, what we're learning about in this series isn't going to do a hill of beans for us if, unless we actually apply it to our life. Amen? So let's become doers of the Word, not just hearers. Let me pray for you. Heavenly Father, I thank you so much for my second service. These are some of the greatest people on this earth, and I, I'm so blessed to do life with them. I pray that, that they uh, might just have a desire for your Word Uh, And that's going to come from you, Holy Spirit. I pray that you would give them a yearning for it. May it be, may they have such a hunger for the Word that it may be similar to as hungry as they get waiting for supper. May they just want it. May they crave it. And Holy Spirit, may you teach them and may they gain understanding and may they experience you, the author. I pray this in Jesus' name.